I'll be too nervous to. I'll probably lost the words. Hello and welcome to the latest edition of the Lost Words DraftKings podcast. I'm joined as ever by Matt Vincenzi. Matt, hello. Hey Tom, we're just uh, kind of trogging along the uh, swing season here. It looks like some good events coming up soon, but uh, this one's not too bad. I think I think it's one of those that like the field isn't great. Um, the, the top of the market is great, right? Like you got Eberg, Young, Digala. You got some guys there that are obviously going to be promising going forward, but it's, it's not the kind of strength of field we've been used to in my Cobra even, right? But the obvious intrigue comes with the fact that it's Tiger Woods' first ever. I think it's the first ever course he actually designed, it's the, and it's definitely the first course that's been used on the PGA Tour. Yeah, yeah. It, You know, I think that m- might have changed people's expectations in terms of what they might be seeing this week, because I don't, you know, I kind of thought Tiger Woods' name might bring some, you know, a better field and, and, you know, a great course and all that stuff. I'm not sure that's what we're going to be getting. Yeah, I don't think it's going to be. Like, I think it's one of those, like, if you think of his first ever design, that's a cash grab, surely. Like, he was, I think we're talking, like, you know, 10 years ago, probably, that he actually started doing this. Like, he was still really focused on playing, right? I think now, if he was to actually design a golf course, as he has been doing, like, I think he's done one with Mike Trout. Like, I think it'd be really impressive. But I think this one is just very much... Let's get in there. He probably just put his name to it, and that was it. Um, the the kind of overall impression I get from what he has said is that there's going to be some really unique approach shots. It's going to kind of represent Californian golf, despite the fact that it's past Palom and, and in Mexico. But I don't necessarily know how something like that transpires. Yeah, yeah. Um, I, I think it's probably going to be a typical resort course where people are going really low. I know it was originally designed to be kind of for... Um, people on vacation and stuff so i don't i don't know if he really intended for it to be a major test for the you know some of the best players in the world so uh we'll see they've had to move some of the tee boxes back right to make the par fives actually tall ready um look it's, it's massive fairways massive greens which actually you know makes it sound really easy but when they're massive greens and they're pretty undulating Matt, from what i've read like talking like Kapalua and augusta and things like that like Sometimes the bigger greens can make it harder because these guys can't just hit the green and and two putt. They they could potentially three putt. They could be you know in the completely wrong part of the green. Like it, there is a skill to actually hitting it close enough on these larger greens. Yeah, and that's where I think Tiger brought in that strategic element of the game that he really wanted to make his mark on. You know, he he is a second shot you know type of player, especially later on in his career. So I think he did want to add that element of players who, who know how to navigate a golf course strategically, even if it does mean getting to 26 under strategically, you're still going to have to do it. So, yeah. And I think like the overriding thing has always been with these Paz Palin resort courses, that longer drivers have basically prospered. I know my was slightly different, but I would say that was actually a tougher golf course than some of these resort ones. We're talking about that was Corrales and Puerto Rico and the Mexico open. Right. So, I think it's going to be more along the lines of what we've seen from them where the longer hitters do prosper. Um, but I certainly wouldn't pigeonhole it that way, but based on the fact that we haven't seen it ever. Yeah, I, I agree with that. I think, you know, long hitters might have an advantage and they typically do well here. And especially, I think a lot of the long hitters aren't the best putters. And I do think bad putters kind of gets mitigated on a, on past pal greens because they're so slow and you know yeah. take a little bit of less skill, I think. So that's why you might see bombers because typically the bombers aren't the best butters um 
but I think when the, in a birdie fest, which I do think this is going to be, I think it pretty much is open to anybody. Does it mitigate the advantage that Aberg, Young, and Thigala have because it is just a resort course? I think so. I'll, if if I wanted Aberg, I'd rather play him on a tougher course because I do think, um, and I know, like I said, typically poor putters do better here, but I don't know. I, I don't think he's the type of guy who I picture getting a 28 under if it does turn into that. No, I agree. And I think it's just one of those things that as much as I think, I guess the, the difference here is normally when you've got some top players in these kind of fields, there is a decent second tier, whereas this time it drops off quite quickly, I guess, is probably the, the slight difference. So the top could be, we're not going to know, I don't think, until kind of Friday, Saturday, really, how this one's going to play out. But like Victor Hovland obviously dominated it for a couple of years and he's one of the top players. Russell Henley wasn't, you know, he wasn't the elite, but he's certainly a better player. And even you go as like Graham McDowell's years, like he's a major winner. So like as much as these resort courses do throw out some weird results, you do also get, I think Harris English won it back in the day, like 25, uh, 25 to 1. Like you do get some of these elite players, I don't want to call them elite, but like elite to this field strength um take the win here so i don't think you can completely avoid the top but um to get the kind of builds that you want is probably best to. yeah yeah definitely and um even you look at the two other mexico the vedanta events kind of resort course type of thing and you had what ram and henley right yeah ram and, ram, ram and yeah ram and fina the guys are just kept alternating <laughs> right so i think i think there's that i think if it was Ram or if it was Finau or whatever, like I think we'd be having a different conversation because it's Young who's not won, Thigala who's won once, and Aberg who's we, we still don't know how good he's going to be quite yet. Like it's a different tier of elite players, isn't it? So can, yeah, can we segue right into Aberg with that? Because I think it's a good way to get into it. And I like Aberg, and you know I've been as high as on him as anybody has from the beginning, and I've you know, been on him early and often and all that stuff. I think we're getting a little carried away here with. The betting odds, the DraftKings prices, I think, um, look, three months ago, he finished 46th at the Rocket Mortgage and 64th at the 3M Open. And that's, you know, field-wise, is going to be similar. He did win on the DP World Tour in a very good field. But as we've seen, that doesn't always translate or even mean anything. You've seen, like, Nikolai do that um, and then come over and play poorly, even in the Mexico Open. So, like, I'm not completely sold that he should be 9-1 to one in any betting field ever. I think after the Ryder Cup, people are just viewing him as something that he might not be yet. I guess, like, he was second at the Sanderson Farms, right? Like, straight after the Ryder Cup. So, like, that in itself is probably more impressive than even maybe the win. Um, obviously, winning, you know, trumps everything. But when he was at Wentworth, he really did shit the bed, like, in the final round. And, like, I was very cautious on him. I think I was you know, over the top cautious because I do bat against what everyone else is saying a little bit, um, you know, just to try and kind of see the other side of it. And I thought we were too high on him going into the Ryder Cup. And then I think just what he's done, one, to get the Ryder Cup spot and what he's done since is actually really impressive. So I guess he's just priced here because there's no one else. Like, I definitely won't be betting him at 9-1. to one. I can see the value in playing him at 11-2, but like you say, I don't necessarily see it. I'd probably rather just take the chance on Cam Young at 10-9. They both got to get their wins. Yeah, I mean, speaking of like just betting wise, this people are viewing this like it's like it's Ram at Vedanta. It is not. It, that's not what it is. Like, and if you um, am he's I saying can't, he's done the price of that though, right? Because like Ram's three or four to one, we're saying. Yeah, I think it might have been, yeah five or six the first time, but I mean, oh. I I can he win absolutely, but 
would it shock you if he finished in 37th? No. Like I, like I, uh, at some point, I don't even know why he's. I guess he's got to lock up the top 50, right? That's his aim. So I guess that's why he's still playing. But like, there's got to be some sort of level of burnout as well at some point. Like he's not even like he still just finished a college season and coming to this. It's not like he's been like off for six months, right? So um, yeah, I don't know. I, I'm very on the fence with him. I think. If you had to pick one of the three, Aberg, Young, Thigala, who's the most likely to win? What's your answer there? Most likely to win, I would still put Aberg above them, but yeah. I'm not going to play any of them. No, I I think it's Young, just because I think it's coming. But like, that's it. Like anything else is just it's pretty anecdotal. Like I just think a win's got to come for him eventually. Um, and I've again been pretty low on him. Um, and I just think it would turn around at some point. Um, and then you've got a couple of others, Jaeger 10-2 and Lucas Glover 10-1. Jaeger's so highly priced. Like, I thought I'd be able to bet him this week, and he was like 25-1. to 1. Yeah, he's always way overpriced, and I guess he was like, he was going to be 25-1 to 1 because, for whatever reason, I think it might be the stats that people jump to, and that's why you can't really um, get good numbers on him. But on paper, it definitely seems like a good fit for him. He's really good at easy courses. He's... Really good at scoring, birdie or better. He's great. Um, I I'm not going to play him at this price. I can't bet him at those prices. But you know, I think some people might. But uh, he, he's he's never going to be for me at, in this range. I think it's one of those ones where like talking about like builds. Like if you do avoid those top three and start with him, like that's enough to get kind of those ones that you can rely on without completely ruining your kind of balance. But I'd rather just go down to Hostler. I know he's going to be pretty popular, but a nine eight, like he's been so solid for so long now and and play well at that Mexico Open as well. So there's there's definite sort of interest there from Hustler. Yeah, he just, I mean, if you expect him to win, you're probably going to be in trouble. But, I mean. Second, um, fine, though, right? Yeah, second would be fine. He can definitely do that. Uh, and then yeah, one guy I'm thinking, like, Glover, no one's going to play Glover. What if he just comes out and he looks like the same guy he was at, you know, towards the end of last season? Yeah. It's just I don't not, think he's going to. It's but. not his course, right? Like, I don't know. Doesn't feel probably not, but he was great at one of those swing events, um, the alternate events. Right before he won, he finished like second or third in, in um, one of those alternate events. I don't remember which one it was. Uh, but for me, I'm skipping them all. I'm starting my last with with Emiliano Grillo. Yeah, like I'm just looking like actually like fundamentally, Hostler's been pretty disappointing on pass by them, which. Mm-hmm is not great to see. I think he's played well in that one Mexico Open event that I kind of referenced, but otherwise, like, you're looking at kind of, like, the other events that he should have played well in, he's been pretty disappointing. So, he's actually got a lone top 10 at the Mexico Open this year, but he it, it just strikes me as a slightly different player. So, I would, like, now, like, 30th, 28th, 7th, 2nd, it's a really pleasing run of form that should lead to a win at some point, but we see this so often with these level of players, I guess. But, let's go into Grillo. Like, my uh, my only thing against Grillo is like he performs well at these shorter versions of this test. That would be yeah. my, only, my only negative is that like, and I don't think that's because he can't hit it far enough. I'm pretty sure he's a decent driver for the golf ball lengthwise. Like, I just think he benefits from the short resort courses. Yeah, no, I think um, I think short, he, he's definitely good at them. But I think, you know, I still think it, it doesn't matter as much because who knows how this is going to play. Like, I mean, it could play relatively short. He could have a wedge in his hand a lot. 
Um, and I just like the fact that he is just so comfortable on these greens. It seems like it, his biggest weakness is mitigated. You talked about the big, the big hitters being kind of mitigated here. To me, I think the best putters are mitigated. And that's why Hostler hasn't been as good on these things, because you take their best skill set and make it closer to, you know, level um, in terms of strokes game putting. I think the good putters find their level and the bad putters kind of elevate to that mid-level too. So maybe that's why. Um, but I think he's just so comfortable in this uh, one, the climate and everything, then also the green services. And I like that he finished 10th. I wish I had more stats to say how he finished 10th at the Zozo, but um, I like the fact that he did. Yeah, and I think the thing with Grillo is that we have this very small bucket of pass and courses right on the PGA Tour, and we, we focus all our attention on that because that's all we've got. Um, but his extends back to the DP World Tour as well in terms of pass and green. So he's been fifth at the Qatar Masters, uh, second at the Puerto Rico Open, 11th at the Shenzhen International, another DP World Tour event, 10th, um, first of all, at Mike Ober, then ninth, then second, uh, the CIMB Classic. And it's just gone on from there, right? Third again at the Puerto Rico Open, sixth again at the Corrales. Like, it's it's so good. Um, his average position in 29th events on Paz Palom, 38th. So he's going to make the cut. It's going to go well. Uh, 27% top 10 rate uh, is pretty impressive. And, like, it, do we think Grillo's back to his best version of himself? Like, I don't, I don't think when Grillo was at his best, I don't think he can eclipse that because I think like, the the kind of competition's got better, it's got deeper, it's got harder to win. I think since when he was a rookie. But do you think he's close to the best version of him? I think he is. I mean, after he won, he kind of fell off a little bit. But I think just getting that other win maybe took a little bit of a monkey off his back, and he should be. I think he's gonna have a really good season. Um, because he has the approach game. He has, you know, if he figures out around the green, uh, the potting stuff, he's, he's going to be good. So, um, yeah, I, I think he has a good chance to win this. And I think the value-wise, I mean, like, Aberg at 9, him at 28. I don't know if Aberg has a better chance to win this than, than Grillo does, just based on well, his... I think Yeah. I, I guess it's just missed, like, because he's quite volatile, whereas Aberg just makes the cut somehow. Like, I guess people are just so, like desperate for especially in dfs that people are so desperate for the guys that you know you can rely on to make a cut and he's missed two of his three to start this kind of full series but when you go back beyond that like ninth or sixth sorry at the open championship 10th at the 3m open 20th 31st 29th then he missed those couple of cuts and then finished 10th at the zozo as you said like you wish you know how he did it but we do know he shot 65 in round one and 68 in round two and his worst scores of the week was 71 so I feel pretty comfortable with Grillo. Like I, like I actually don't hate the hostler Grillo start, which a lot of people would shake their head at, at like, you know, win equity. But I think in this field, in in this time of their careers, they're both decent. Yeah, I like it too. Um, in Mexico Open, he gained 4.5 putting. That was the pretty much the only um, past Pelham course you get actual putting stats on, and he was great there. Yeah. So. I think, yeah, I do think it definitely is, is meaningful. So I'm I'm all in on Grillo. I like him a lot. And I, I, I do I agree with you. That's a, probably a good starting point where no one else is going to have that. And then, like, I want to play Dietrich, but he's too expensive. Like, I can't take him at $200 more than Spawn. I can't take him $300 more than Swenson. I can't take him $400 more than Batia. And I actually don't know whether this is a full storm with Luke List or whether we should expect him to carry on playing well. The only thing with him is I don't think he's ever played well in Mexico. 
Yeah. I know um, there's a lot to unpack there, but basically just run me through kind of the rest of the nines in your head. For me, it's I like Batia a lot. Uh, question is going to be the ownership, which I imagine. I mean, it's, it's not really a question. It's definitely going to be incredibly high. Yeah. Um, but I think you can play him anyway. It's just so, it's just too perfect for him not to. Like it, he just rates out so well on this course. He's uh, top three in past Palum strokes gained. He's top three on easy courses strokes gained. Um, birdie or better, he's always up there. So. I think you just got to play him anyway, and that, that's why I really want to start differently and avoid the Aberg and avoid that whole top range so I can just go, you know, start with Grillo and him and find different ways to um, be different. Because I don't love really anyone else in this range. I, I get the the Dietrich one, um, but, yeah, I'm, I'm kind of out on this most of the range. Luke Liss, 15th for the Puerto Rico Open, 7th for the OHL Classic back in the day, 13th for the CIMB Classic, 8th at the Corrales Punta Cana, 10th, no, sorry, that's not him. Uh, 8th at uh, the Crowders Punzacana, those last kind of results I've got for him on Paz Panama. No, for some reason, this isn't showing up the Mexico Open wins or just have or Mexican Open um, performances. I'll just look at that as well. But for me, Loot List seems decent value when you compare it to the rest of that 9K range, to be honest, considering what it is doing at the moment. Yeah, I mean, bad putters play well on past Palm overall for whatever reason. Yeah, I just, I just, I just think there's enough, enough there in in Lutlis. I know he's he's got this really weird run of kind of miscuts in Mexico, which basically goes to his Mexico Open efforts, the Mayakoba for the last few years. But back in the day, he was better on that, and yeah, like he shot second round 67 in the Mexico Open. I just, I just think for some reason he's got better starts going 25th at the Fortinet wins the Sands and comes right back and finishes 18th for the Shrine is an event I wouldn't necessarily put him at um it just looks like he's he's kind of playing against what we know of him and I, I that really appeals to me at 9k like I, I don't know if you can do it but like Grillo Hostler and List leaves you with 7k you could go kind of a stars and a scrub through for the next three if you can find a really cheap 6k guy then yeah. you've got a problem with range sevens you definitely can do it. Uh, I've no. I think there's a lot of low guys who are pretty viable this week too. Yeah. Um. So yeah, I, I like it. I, I'm not, I'm. I don't love this, but I like the reasoning, and I think, you know, he's been playing well, so I, I don't see why he couldn't again. I think the one thing with List is that he's one of those people you're just looking at going like you're gonna let me down at some point. Like I like as, as reliable as you look going 25th, first, 18th with good pass palum form, like you're not gonna last. Like I can definitely see that argument to it, but just of Value-wise, like he's cheaper than Chris Kirk, cheaper than Adam Svensson, cheaper than Spawn, $600 cheaper than Dietrich. Like it just doesn't kind of compute with me. Like the, the people are just betting on that not happening anymore. And I think that's a little bit harsh at this point of the season. Um, yeah. I hate the 8K range. Like I think like it's probably quite important that you get it right. I mean, Davis Thompson's shown some life of late, but I don't really get it. I don't get why Gotterup's in here. I don't really get why Keith Mitchell's so expensive in this range. I know he finished 21st at the Zozo, but he's not really doing it. Like, it just seems a bit of a weird range where they can't make up their mind what these people are and where to put them. Like, it's almost like, oh, it's too cheap if I put them in the 7Ks, but it really isn't. Like, Putnam's missed the two cuts to, to start the season. Like, there's no necessarily reason to think that he's going to you know, suddenly just turn that around. He's he's never been that great in Mexico, right? To to think that he's 
he's suddenly going to, you know, do something at eight one. Yeah, I mean, for me, I, I I'm kind of interested in Cooch. I know it's crazy for me to say that, <laughs> but he's won obviously at um, Mayakoba, which is a different golf course. But he was seventh at Fortinet. I know he went and played the Dunhill Links, which I don't think he played well, did he? The no, I don't think so. Uh, but he was yeah, six, he was uh, like. That he made it like there wasn't a cut, but he would have just probably scraped through it. Um, but yeah, nothing. But then 19th the next week at Andalusia. Yeah, better so, course than, that, uh, than, than the links. I know he's played okay in an open in the past. I just want to circle back. Sorry to the, the Putnam. I guess I've been a little bit harsh on him. Like he has got some decent past Palum stuff. Um, fifth at the crowd is fifth at the price where he got open, but I wouldn't get too high on that. Going back to Cooch, like. I guess it's just a distance argument. Yeah, but we've said you can't put all your eggs in one basket here. You know, we are we positive distance? Is that important here? Who knows? We we just don't know, do we? Like, and that, and I think, but I think actually, if you if you are bold enough to go, I'm not going to worry about it at all, and just build your lineups based on the players you want, then you might, because I think there's going to be a lot of driver heavy distance builds. Because of that's the only knowledge we've got at the moment. And we know the leaderboards at the end of the day are always a hodgepodge anyway. Yeah. You could see Champ, Dietrich, Cooch, Batia, you know what I mean? Like he could still be there. Um I think I think I'll play some Cooch. I like uh I think he's playing all right. I think he's relatively motivated to uh to have a good season, kinda of get himself back in the mix. Um and then I like the Fortnite finish, I like the Andalusia uh finish, and uh I think he makes a lot of birdies. He's pretty good at uh birdie fest type courses as well. And I actually think he's too expensive, which helps ownership. Yes, yes. Um, because, like, I don't think anyone actually wants to play 87 Matt Kuchar in 2023. But, like, this is the argument we've always had with Zach Johnson, Brandon Seneca, Matt Kuchar, probably Webb Simpson, like three of the four most similar players, I think, in terms of skill set. Like, they shouldn't play well on good courses, uh, long courses, but their 175 to 200 yard irons are good enough to, to keep them going. Um, like, Driving distance only matters if you can't hit your long irons well. Like, if you can hit your long irons and your hybrids well, then it doesn't really matter where you're playing from, right? Right, yeah. Um, and I, He's done well in these resort-style courses in the past. So, um, I think, you know, even Sony, like, Mayakoba, even besides the winnings, has some great finishes. Um, where else? Anywhere. Sony a bunch of times. What is doing, like, Century? Like, is that... Is that there? Let's just have a look at that. Because, like, I feel like that's going to be, you know, like wide open greens and fairways undulation that we're going to get here. Like, I feel like that's not a bad place to look. Let's just have a look at his form there. He's in ninth there in 2013. Because that shouldn't be a course that is great for Cooch, like, on the face of it. And I think that's kind of a comp that I can think of that, you know, potentially, like, 14th in 2020. 13th in 2019, 17th in 2015. Like, so he's always been kind of like hanging around. Like I think that's actually pretty pretty. He's got a sixth there, like you said, ninth. I think that's fine. Like I think like, that's I think that's a positive sign of anything because I think there could be some of that because I don't think you get flat lies here. Yeah. No. I, yeah. I think um, I, I kind of like him, and one of my bets just. With Drew, so I'm actually thinking about betting him. Who was that? Uh, Joel Damon. 
Oh, good. That saved us a couple of minute conversation then. Um, yeah. Let's go into the seven. So I don't have too much more to say in that eight after saying I don't like it. Uh, Cam Champ. Are we back on the Cam Champ's going to win the event? Absolutely. And you know what? Let's not say it so definitively, definitively this time because maybe that hurt us last time. But I mean, I see one bad start in Japan, which who the hell knows how things went traveling there, all that stuff isn't going to get me off of him. And I think this is definitely a better course fit. He's had some great results in these types of courses. Um, the distance might really end up being a huge factor. I think it, you know, most likely it is. Um, he's 10th total in Strosteen on past Palin in the fields. He's sixth in Mexico, 2022, eighth in 2023, 10th at Mayakoba. Um, so he, he does play pretty well in these types of courses and if he gets does get in the mix i think he can win he could actually have won pretty much every single one of those starts as well my cover when he was 10th he was second at the halfway mark fifth going into the final round when he was sixth he was second after 54 holes when he was eighth he was inside the top 10 for three rounds so probably couldn't have won that one because he was chasing down um Finau and ram but like he he's just really good there like and i just for me I was on the kind of champ thing, like it wasn't a good golf course for him, but he proved the time before that he could play it. Maybe it just wasn't a good golf course for him. And like that one result that he's going to have there is going to be, you know, the, the odd one out. So I actually think taking a chance in the course that definitely suits him now is the way forward. Um, and as I say, Paz Palam has always been pretty decent for him. So let, let's go with Cam Champ one more time. Um, and, and then see where we're at with that. I don't, again, don't love this kind of top of the sevens. Like, I know Ben Griffin's popular. I know Montgomery's had a couple of made cuts after, you know, seemingly looking like he was dead for a while. Um, there's going to be some interest in Davis Riley. But, like, the players that we've kind of talked about in this range for a while, like Sam Ryder, Chesson Hadley, I'm not as keen on them. There's one player, there's one name on here that caught my eye, but um, anything else for you in the sevens or the top yeah, seven? Yeah, Brandon. Brandon Wu, who I know is going to be really popular, um, I think he has a, he has a real chance to win. Um, he has a runner-up finish in Mexico, um, and I think the year Fino won. Um, and he's I think he's a great price. I think he's going to play really really well. It's, does he have what it takes to actually win the event? Who knows? I'm glad to take that chance at 80 to one plus, but I think he's a great value play down too. He's going to be popular, so put him in those lineups that don't have any of those top guys in them. Absolutely. Uh, the one I want to talk about is a name that I didn't think I'd be talking about in any year, let alone 2023, but I like Vince Whaley. He was 23rd on his debut at the Mayakoba. He's been second on Paz Palum at the Great Abaco Classic in the Corn Ferry Tour. He's been ninth and 15th at the Puerto Rico Open. He's been 28th twice, three times he's finished 28th, so just bet on... Vince Whaley to finish 28th at the Crowders because that's what he's done yeah. in 2020, 2021, and 2022. Um, and he's playing well. Like, uh, like he's actually playing good stuff. Like, he was 25th at the Fortinet, 28th at the Sanderson Farms, 13th at the Shriners, and that was coming off a 6th uh, and a 9th from the Corn Ferry Tour as well in the past, like, a few events. So, Vince Whaley is suddenly just someone I'm really interested in. And I think someone's keeping on for the rest of the, you know, like we're talking about like kind of Bermuda and places like that. Yeah. Yeah. I remember he was popular for a little spell like two years ago and then he kind of fell off the face. I, I like the case. There's just some other guys in this range that I really like. Um, I like, I'm just going to list them through real quick. I like Ekrod at 7,300 just because um, a lot of those Oklahoma state guys have played really well on past Palom. 
uh, I think something similar with the fairways or something that kind of resonates with them. Um, and I think he's pretty cheap at 7,300. Tyler Duncan has been playing pretty well. Yeah. Uh, and he, he's been playing really well, actually. 16th at the Sanders and 18th at the, at the Shriners. Um, and he has done third at Corrales last year. And he's been driving the ball well, which is not usual for him, I think. Like, I think, like, if you look at his strokes gained off the tee days, he's fifth, I've got him as, in the last kind of 15 weeks. He's been first, 24th, 22nd, 7th in strokes gained off the tee, the four times he's made the cut. Um, that's obviously going to be more on his accuracy rather than his distance. But as you say, the third at Corrales is really positive. He's got, you know, 28th or 35th in Corrales and Puerto Rico's in the past as well. He just seems a really solid pick, Tyler Duncan, even though, yeah. look, I don't know if he's going to win, but that third place finish isn't out of the realms of possibility, which is a good good finish to this price range. And he'll be on my first round leader card as well. I think I can yeah. see that happen. That's that. Like, I, I've put him up a couple of times for that. Um, so I like it. Yeah, Ekro. I looked at Ekro and um, Will Gordon. I kind of categorise as the same sort of player, like having these limited starts and hit the ball like well and kind of flashing models every now and then. Like I like both of those guys. They both flashed up for me. Um, yeah, another one for me who's playing pretty well and who also is in a similar mold where I like to play them in um, first round leader and stuff is Harry Hall. He was 26th at the Shriners, 21st at the Zozo. So he's playing pretty well. He was 13th at Corrales, 7th at Puerto Rico on his last two starts. So I think for me, he's definitely a first round leader pick and he's definitely a lower price DraftKings play for me. There's definitely more names here that we're that, than I expected to name. Like I, I feel like we would struggle to do it, and actually I feel like we've made cases for a lot. Like you go to Harry Hall as well, 19th on the Great Exuma Classic in Emerald Bay, another Paspalum um, strain, 7th at Puerto Rico, 13th at the, at the Crowleys, like you mentioned, and 64 second round of that Puerto Rico Open as well. So can go low. Um, did he did he play the Mexico Open? last year yeah 10th right so yeah. finishes with 65 that's that's pretty impressive so yeah harry hall is definitely uh one to keep up what's he been doing like the after four rounds is he's kind of tailing off right but like he's he's definitely got a low round of them each week like if you look at the shriners 66 and 65 that's kind of his home course and then zozo 69 and the 66 finished 21st that's in a decent field like even the 45th at the Fortinet, I don't hate when you start with a 66. Like, I think that's just pointing to good stuff. Can he win? No. He can win the no. Shrines. But, like, he won't win, I don't think. Um, where was it? Was it him that had the chance to win when Grillo won? Yep. Yeah. There's your sign of whether he can win or not. Yeah, exactly. Um, um, but that, again, like, we're very definitive on these, and I've tried to stop doing that because I think I'm a bit more forgiving. Like, I don't think I, could, I can't see him winning based on the evidence of what we've seen so far. But who knows what he's going to be in two or three months' time, I guess. Another guy down. I like a lot of guys down here. Another guy I bet to win is down here, Adam Long at 6,900. Before we go there, what about Schmid? Eh. I mean, he got the distance, right? Yeah, and like he nearly won for me. Right. He should have won for me at the, the end of the Lycia Masters. When it's come to like kind of being in contention, he's not been good. Like 74 Saturday at Shriners when he started so well, and then second uh, after leading right until the 17th hole. But when you look at like kind of driver heavy events, BMW International Open, he played the DP World Tour 18th, South African Open Championship fourth. Like I do like him. Um, 
and I think people have been put off by the fact that you kind of chuck them away. Yeah, yeah, I think uh, yeah, he makes sense. He definitely he bombs the hell out of it too, which should um should help. Adam Adam Long, not to be confused, is actually a long hitter. Um, loves Mexico, right? Loves Mexico, loves Pass Palom. I had him as third in my stroke team total and Pass Palom behind Batia and Brandon Wu. Um, so he's been playing better. Um, not that he, not that it's anything great, but just the fact that he's flashed a little bit on leaderboards and he finished 35th at Sanis and 35th at Shriners. But all of his best starts in his life, pretty much, besides his win when he beat Phil at, um, what, at the American Express, was yeah. um, on, on Pass Palom. So... I, I don't mind giving him a shot here. I bet him like 130, 135 to one or something. So I like him down here as a play. Also, the 3M, like, he finished 37th, but second round 65 to be 14, 68 final round when he kind of was out of it. And then, as you say, the, third, the two different kind of 35ths. Like, the the 35th at the Sanson was the best he could finish all week. Like he started slow and picked up in the final round. But the Shriners started fast, 68, 66, 68 to be 11th after two rounds. And then, Paul Saturday in a good final round again. So I kind of like the different ways of doing it where it looks like something could come of it. So yeah, like Adam Long. David Lipsky is the one for me. Like I think people will look at David Lipsky um, and just think he's too short and that definitely can't be. Like if it does play out as people are expecting, then that is going to be the case. Um, but he loves he loves um, Paspalum and, and Mexico in general. Yeah, I like that. I like that too. I'll probably play a little bit of him, and then another guy, same mold, same reasons. Kelly Craft, sixty-eight hundred. Yeah, like I like I think those like Kelly Craft, not as much, but like Lipsky and Wu, same player. Like volatile, only turn up where it suits them. And like Lipsky, seventh for the Crawlers, tenth for the Worldwide Technology Championship uh, last year, and then sixth and tenth for the Mexico Open. Um, yeah, Wu just hits a little bit farther. Craft, 15th at the Mexico Open, 38th at the Mayakoba, who's actually 14th after two rounds. Craft's interesting because he's actually had this kind of like career renaissance, which makes no sense when he's been gone for so long. But 35th, 25th, 16th, 23rd in last four starts. Do we think he can crack a top 10? Yeah, I do. He gained 7.7 on approach at the Shriners. Yeah. One of the best in the field and 6.3 at the Sanderson. So he's playing really well. And now he's going to a course where I always thought of him as kind of like an island specialist because he's always been there in Bermuda and kind of these type of events. Yeah, like it feels like. Because when he was at his best, like he, he was actually capable of turning up in bigger fields as well. Like It's not like he's a person who's made a career of just hanging on these kind of smaller fields, right? Like he was. Well, he was in that Wyndham playoff, right, with Scott and all them, Kisner. What was he? I believe he was. Um, I'm just looking like second at Pebble Beach, second at the Greenbrier, second at Barbasol, one on the Corn Ferry, third at the Corrales, ninth at the Genesis Riviera, eighth. So he obviously wasn't in that playoff. Eighth at the Honda, fifth at the Greenbrier again. Like Corrales, another fifth. Like he just loves the Corrales, which is a good sign. Um, yeah, I like him. Mexico Open 15th. Keddy Craft, 6,800. So this is what I mean. So we can, we can put kind of, Kelly Craft, let's have one each. Just have Kelly Craft and Lipsky. We both like Brandon Wu anyway, so let's put him in. So we can start with that Hostler Grillo build that we like. Um, we can't quite get 
who is it we were saying we could put in our loop list i said i could put in good night so i could go grillo hostler list lipsky craft woo with 300 dollars left on the table can we switch can we switch list to batia no 100 dollars short yeah no we can no we can we can go to batia and then have 100 dollars left on the table i thought he was nine four yeah, so I we, like that because I think we're unique enough. We can play the chalky guy who I really think is going to be around. So, Hosler, Grillo, Batia, Kraft, Lipsky, Wu. Yeah, I love that. With $100 on the table. That's like a lineup I would definitely play for sure. So, does that mean we don't need to go any further down or is there more people we want to talk about? There's no one left I really want to talk about. I, I like so many guys from that 72 to 68. I don't see any reason to get too crazy. I think we I think we agree on most of our top picks, so let's hope we get a winner this week. Yeah, that no, sounds good to me. I think we'll end it there, and uh, good luck this week. <laughs>